Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good evening, khuyanand, mulweni, and a hearty welcome to the Shahida Kali show. Well, of course, I'm Shahida Kali, and tonight I speak again with Professor Christine Lochner, who is the co-director at the MRC Unit on Anxiety and Stress Disorders, Department of Psychiatry at the University of Stellenbosch. And tonight our focus is going to be obsessive compulsive disorder and we'll chat more about it. It's often commonly referred to as OCD. But let me first greet the professor, Professor Christine Lochner. Good evening and welcome to the program. Hello, Shida. Thank you for having me. It, I'm so excited to speak about obsessive compulsive disorder because it's actually so prevalent in the community. But I think it is one of those disorders that are often, often hidden because people feel so bad mm. about having obsessive compulsive disorder. So perhaps first to start off by asking, you know, what is OCD? If you can please just uh, chat a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a good starting point, Shaida. Um, as you said, it's quite common. It's, it's the fourth most common psychiatric condition after depression, substance abuse, and phobia. So it's, it's, it's very, very prevalent. About 2 to 3% of our population um, would, would uh, currently have obsessive compulsive disorder. So just to, to answer your question, what it is, um, as I said, it is a psychiatric condition, um, and it is characterized by time-consuming, persistent, um, intrusive thoughts or thought images, and it's usually associated with um, repetitive behavior, repetitive, time-consuming behavior. So, so to, to, to give an example, it would be someone with an obsession about cleanliness, or dirt or germs, you know, or, or um, a terrible disgust with those kinds of things. And then once they think that they've touched something which is contaminated, they would go on and wash their hands repeatedly, you know, to the point where it's excessive and, um, you know, it could actually harm their skin, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we all have rituals. I think this is very important. I think we all have rituals, whether it is cultural or religious mm -hmm. or just of our own person. We all have things we have to do in a certain way, and those are not, you know, it's not OCD. Mm -hmm. But when you have these little rituals, which is irrational, it's time-consuming, it causes you distress, it interferes with your functioning or with your relationships, then then there is probably reason to worry that there might be OCD. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just to kind of speak a little bit about if you and I, and I want to take some of the examples that you've used in terms of the symptoms that we can see. Mm. So you'd mentioned time consuming behaviors, yes. you know, that that are repetitive. So people repeat it over and over um, and and perhaps just to to speak a little bit about when we saying time consuming you know what exactly are we talking about you know and and I'd like for you to speak about the example of someone um 
can shower up to an hour and a half, two hours long. But to speak about the different types of repetitive or obsessive behavior and the types of times, you know, time constraints that, yeah. we, that we're talking about. Well, it can vary. I mm-hmm. think it is very important to note that, you know, you have people with mild OCD who take yeah. up to an hour a day, you know, uh, doing rituals like checking or repetitive uh, praying or repeating certain words or counting, you know, those kinds of things. And then you have people who are busy with it more than eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. So um, in answer to your, your comment about how it manifests differently, um, yeah. you know, OCD symptoms, it can manifest in, in different ways in different people. Yeah. And also most people have a combination of these. Uh, you know that you know most people are not only washers or checkers. They yes. often have these things in combination. Yeah. So, so to to give you an example, you know we we talk about uh, OCD symptom dimensions, mm-hmm. and those are, you know, if I if I can mention a few of those dimensions, you know, some people worry about harm, harm happening to themselves or to other people. Um, uh, and then they would have these intrusive, violent thoughts or intrusive thoughts about bad things happening to people close to them. And remember, this is not this is not post-traumatic stress disorder. This is this is something uh, totally different, where they probably haven't been a trauma, but these intrusive thoughts come up, you know, of blood, of guts, of um, motor accidents, you know, that kind of bad thing. Those those kinds of bad things happening, and they, it's usually followed by checking, repeated uh, reassurance, seeking that things are okay. So that's a harm-related one. And then you have people presenting with sexual or religious obsessions. You know, intrusive thoughts yeah. about a sex with people they don't know, or with children, or with animals. You know, all of those things are intrusive. It's, it's there and they don't want to have it and it's usually associated with uh, repetitive praying or repeating certain mantras or words over and over to make themselves feel better. Right. So, Prof- so just to return to that definition, the compulsions usually are aimed at, at relieving the anxiety caused by the obsession. Right, and I'd like to speak more about that. Mm. Professor, we have to take commercial news. When we come back, I'd like for you to just explain a little bit what you would mean and how it would feel when there are intrusive um, thoughts. What, mm. you know, how does one understand intrusive and also the term that you used checking behavior what that would mean so that our listeners can have clarity in terms of what it is that you're describing when you use those words but let's just stay with us while we are taking the commercial news live from cape town this is the voice of the cape the voice of the cape the voice of the cape the voice of the cape
Welcome back. I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Professor Christine Lochner, who is the co-director at MRC Unit on Anxiety and Stress Disorders, Department of Psychiatry at the University of Stellenbosch. We're talking about obsessive compulsive disorder, commonly referred to as OCD. Professor, just to revisit, you know, you described intrusive thoughts and checking behavior. Perhaps some examples or just for our listeners to understand what is meant by saying that the thoughts are intrusive. Please. Mm. Mm. It's, it's a very important uh, concept. You know, we all have uh, thoughts that are unwelcome. Every now and then you have an uh, intrusive image, which means it is unwelcome, it is disturbing. In other words, it, it leads to emotions like anxiety or fear even. And it's, and it's contrary to uh, who you are, I would say, or it's contrary to what you believe in or what you believe a, a good person, a person should have. For instance, a good person will not have a thought about harming their mother, you know. Some of these, uh, um, you know, sometimes someone with, with OCD would have a thought of, of harming their own babies. You know, a new mother might have an intrusive thought about harming her newborn baby, you know. And I think for all of us, that, it sounds terrible, you know. It's totally unacceptable. It's contrary to what you want. But, and that's why I call it intrusive, you know, and it's, it's labeled as such in the diagnostic manuals. So it is intrusive, so you don't want it, so you want it out as, as, mm-hmm. as good as you can. And, and that usually leads to behaviors which you think might alleviate the anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. such as praying or hand washing or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or checking. For instance, if you have these fears about bad things happening, you know, your house burning down if you leave uh, the, uh, the lights on or the stove on, that kind of thing. So, so checking would refer to going back, you know, and, and checking, actually making sure that things are off, you know, the electricity is off or the power switch is off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a patient once who just never arrived at work because she would leave and then she would think that did I really close the garage door? Yeah. And then she would drive back all the way in the traffic, and once she gets home, she sees, okay, it is closed, but, and then she leaves again. And within five minutes, she think, thinks, okay, uh, did I really did I close it? And, then, and the danger of leaving it open is so, so, in her, so big in her mind that she has to go back. Mm-hmm. And once she's there and she's checked, her anxiety is sort of, it's, it's fine, it's under control, and it starts again as, she, as soon as she, she reach, reaches work. Mm-hmm. So, so that is a typical checking behavior. Yeah, and I think one of the checking behaviors that, I've, that I often see with religious content within the Muslim community with whom we are speaking mostly tonight is with the ablution uh, ritual. So there'll be, I'm taking ablution in preparation for prayer. Yeah. Halfway through it's like, I, did I wash my hands properly? Did I do this correctly because God will not accept it from me if it's done incorrectly then I start all over again and I think you know if, for our listeners to know that you'd start from the start again when you know usually it's not picked up from you know where they think it's you know perhaps I made a mistake here so I'll pick up 
kind of halfway you know usually it started from the start and hence the the time consumption in this type of behavior which wow I, I really think and and one of the things I'd like for you to speak about is how stubborn OCD can be oh my word I think it's one of the stu- I'd like to call it stubborn it's just one of the most stubborn psychiatric disorders to treat or to work with don't you think absolutely it's, it's so hard it's really yeah. hard because you know, some people, there's, there's always ambivalence. You know, do they want to get better? Because I had someone on Friday tell me, yes. you know, they don't know what is part of their personality and yeah. what is OCD. So right. once you start with treatment, yeah. you know, are you losing a bit of yourself? Are you losing, you know, and some people with, with these religious worries, yes. um, they think once they lose that or uh, once they stop caring about it, yeah. they might become a-religious. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, you know, yeah. are they going for treatment or not? Yeah. So, it's, it's, so there's almost a guilt in, in, in mm. seeking out treatment, especially if yes. it's religious content, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I've I've yeah. seen that as well. Yeah, I've seen it as well. There's such, it, it needs such a lot of reassurance. I mean, you know, constantly just the concept of but God is merciful. But but mm-hmm. of course we know that we have to understand it much deeper than that. Yeah. I just would want for you to also speak about the fact that sometimes these beliefs are so irrational that it borderlines at times psychosis. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can you speak yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, you you know, in, in OCD, you have a subtype, which we now call uh, poor insight OCD. It's where you have, where you lose the ability to sort of distinguish between what is really, really irrational and mm-hmm. what is, uh, you know, what is rational. Yeah. Now, that sounds quite abstract, um, but if I can use an example... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people, I think most people with, with OCD, they do realize that their uh, habits or their compulsions and their obsessions are irrational. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, even though they do it and they, yeah. you know, they believe in it at the moment and it's, it's good, at some level they can tell you, you know, they do know if they uh, open a door and they actually touch the doorknob, it's yeah. fine. They won't get aids or they won't be hiv positive after mm-hmm. taking hands with mm-hmm. but you know and, and rationally they know this and they say yeah. okay but i know it's not possible but there's, there's some you know thought that what if or maybe but then there's a type of ocd patient where that insight has gone um where they actually believe i had once i had a a lady who saw me she didn't bath anymore she yeah. just didn't see herself because she believes that she is losing, you know, if she gets into the bath, she believes that she was washing off goodness mm-hmm. and that once the plug is pulled or the, um, that a part of her, a part of her goodness will go down the drain. Yes. Um, you know, and that becomes a little bit odd. That's, yeah. that's odd. You know, yeah. and, and she, she wavered a bit, you know, she yeah. said, you know, at some level, she knows it may not be true, but she doubt. You know, she had doubt. So, so there's definite, uh, um, you know, worry about psychosis. Yeah. And, and also, if you if you think about uh, psychotic patients, mm-hmm. you know, they often have rituals. So, you in schizophrenia, yes. you may also develop 
comorbid OCD, which yeah. means you might have uh, obsessive uh, obsessions or compulsions with with the schizophrenia. Absolutely. It is really, really fascinating and so interesting. We have to take commercial news. When we come back, I'd like for us to speak more about it. I have such a, a, an example of a lady who had, who has OCD and who'd believe um, that there would, uh, th- the possibility of HIV could yeah. be in the chicken and she would, her husband would buy the chicken and she will just constantly throw it away because she couldn't bear the thought that there was the possibility they could be the HIV germ or virus in in the chicken. The same lady would you would have a closed packet of of biscuits, yeah. and she would believe there there are germs in that packet, and try as we as we as we did to try and get her sometimes even to touch the packets. You know, on the outside, it would be so frightening. Oh, and it's, so, it's so sad, you know. It really is uh, very sad. who does this on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, it's just a nightmare. It, it really is. And the sadness is how sad it often makes the people who are affected by it mm. and also the family members. But let's take that uh, commercial news when we come back. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. 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 I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Professor Christine Lochner. Our focus is um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Perhaps just to speak about um, that OCD is is primarily driven by fear and anxiety. And I'm particularly wanting for you to speak about that, Professor, because when you're looking at religious content, I often, you know, like I've seen children with with OCD already and then you have the hectic teaching of God will punish you and you need to make do the thing right and you need to pray this way and and I you know often think us as parents or us as carers and teachers need to be very mindful what we instilling Mm. in the child and how this can actually build up to excessive or the anxiety and the fear that can actually lead to or contribute to the formation of of OCD. Please, will you share your views? Yeah, I think it's a very important topic and I haven't, you know, I haven't thought about it very much, you know, um, coming from a religious background that is not so, you know, uh, um, incredibly uh, ritual driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would, I would say, you know, it depends on the person. You know, some most children will go through all of those um, teachings uh, and strict rules 
you know, without too much drama, but there are more sensitive children. Yes. Uh, and especially for those, you have to be mindful, you know, um, and careful about what you teach and what you say, because mm-hmm. OCD is a condition, you know, if you, if you think about the causes of it, you know, it's, even though it's multifactorial, you know, we know there is, there is perhaps truth in the fact that parents, can uh, perhaps in, you know, lead to or install OCD in children, mm-hmm. you know, obviously in combination with a whole lot of other things. But yeah. I think if, if a child is at risk, in other words, maybe there is a genetic loading, um, you know, he's more at risk to develop OCD, yes. then an overly strict parent and, and teachings might, might just uh, um, sort of trigger that underlying condition. Yeah. So one has to be very, very careful and, and, and responsible and very mindful mm-hmm. um, that overly strict rules might just, you know, reinforce this in children, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, perhaps just also to speak about while we're talking about children, um, is there an age range in which OCD appeared to be more prevalent or present itself? And even gender, do you have any information mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, usually, it's interesting. Boys tend to develop it early, at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. And you very often see that boys, if they have OCD, they may also present with comorbid tics. Now, comorbid meaning it just presents at the same time as the OCD and then ticks refer to those sudden rapid uh, almost involuntary uh, either motor movements or verbal um, utterings you Uh know like to cough or to sniff Mm -hmm. or to say a word but involuntarily yeah Um, so that's fascinating so boys tend to to develop OCD or to present with OCD at an earlier age and and, and often with those ticks you know often you see those eyes uh, knip 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 yeah Mm -hmm. um, or or a shoulder that shrugs that kind of thing whereas in girls it tends to develop more towards puberty yeah. But in adulthood, you would probably have the the, rate, the gender ratio would be one to one. You, would, mm-hmm. you know, so, so uh, um, same uh, uh, same prevalence in in males than in females, which, yeah. is, which is interesting. Yeah, I I find OCD very very interesting myself, mm. and I I often find if we're thinking of obsessive or we're thinking of much, you know, intensity, intenseness, and so on, mm. I've you know I'm kind of interested whether there whether there is. Um, extremely strict stuff or fanaticism or somewhere you find do you find you know those types of um, elements present and again if you think even sexual um, content of OCD and religious content but cleanliness as well kind of by the way connected if you if you listen to some of the teachings um, and how it's sometimes presented, but then you have you know in certain societies where um, sexual activity before marriage or so is absolutely practiced, 
and are these contributing little factors you know especially when ladies for example i'm talking about ladies whom i've seen in practice older ladies was never had any um, interaction with any person of the opposite gender or so mm. and and how the thoughts you mm. know could mm. come about and sure it's just very interesting and therefore my question of do you see the shame and the guilt very often prevalent with someone who has OCD and therefore often hides it mm. You know, OCD is known as a hidden illness. You know, right. it's, it's, it's one of the biggest secrets. Yes. Because I find that, and, I, and I'm sure you've seen this in your practice, that mostly the people who develop OCD or who present with OCD are well, supposed to be high-functioning, quite intelligent people mm-hmm. um, with, with a lot of potential. You know, I see with usually the kids who come... Is, they are bright kids, yes. you know, um, and very often they are first in class, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question or to, to reply to that section on, on the guilt, I think the guilt and, and the shame, it, it's with everyone, firstly, because uh, the illness, I mean, it's still very, very much stigmatized. You know, mm-hmm. people feel ashamed of having these intrusive thoughts and yes. they are very fearful that people might think that they are crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, that they have lost their minds and that they are crazy to do all of these things. You yes. know, who in their right minds would wash their hands for two or three or four hours a day? Yes. So in that regard, a definite shame. Mm-hmm. But I think the guilt, the guilt feelings that goes with uh, inappropriate or vulgar, or inappropriate sexual thoughts, yes. or inappropriate religious uh, thoughts mm-hmm. and rituals, you know, yeah. um, I think there the guilt is quite prominent, yeah. um, and, cause, and, and can cause major distress and major impairment, because um, very often it's hidden, and they don't discuss or you know, yeah. they don't talk it through with anyone. Yes. They feel so ashamed, so yeah. they never seek help. Yeah, and and may I ask you to speak about the fact that it, you know, it is also one of the disorders that are so misunderstood. So mm. there is often much pressure from family members that the person must just get better, just get mm. better, just stop mm. it. Mm. You know that type of responses. <laughs> Absolutely, no, and it's. It's so, it's so not right because if the person could, yeah. could have done so, they would. You know, if you think about the, the you know, anyone out there with, with OCD will, would be able to tell you how distressing it is because you can't actually switch off your mind. Yeah. You know, um, the, the one thing that stands out uh, whenever I speak to someone with OCD is the absolute exhaustion by the end of the day yes. because they have to deal with these thoughts 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know, it pops up when they're eating, when they're doing their work, what, but in general, it's there all of the time. Yeah. So, so they can't really, you know, there's, a, there's sort of an ongoing conversation in their mind yes. while they actually live yes. their life, yeah. um, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. It really is terrible, it, you know. No. And for family to actually blame them or yeah. to tell them to, to you know, to 
to get on with it and just yeah. uh, pull up their socks. socks. It's, um, I think that's cruel. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that you're mentioning it because very often it is believed that the person who has OCD can just decide to stop it. Well, they and can pray about it. Yeah, you know, I've seen right. there religious people who believe that if they pray enough, yes, or if they pray enough for their family member with their condition, yeah. it will go away. And you know, and, and once you go on that path, it's it's um. Ah, it becomes very difficult because if the person doesn't get better, then did you pray enough? Exactly. That, is the person not trying hard enough? Yeah, and it holds the it holds the, the assumption of badness even to the person themselves. It's like if yeah. I haven't, it just seems as if I'm not praying hard enough, and therefore it makes me bad. It, it yeah. takes away the goodness of me. I, Shaira, I think yes. that is important because you know and that leads to very problematic dynamics in the family mm-hmm. or in the marriage, yeah. and that causes a lot of stress. Now yeah. the problem with stress is. It increases the severity of OCD. Absolutely, and I'm, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Please speak about it. It's, it's, you will see this. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it in your practice. Yeah, that I in do. exam time, you know, yeah. then yes. people with OCD, they tend to get worse. Yes. Um, they tend to have a lot of problems concentrating. Right. Uh, their mood goes down. They're super anxious. And they might even develop more intrusive thoughts or, right. or rituals. So it's it's um, or or relationship and uh, yeah. relationship distress, you know, yeah. uh, marital discord, that kind of thing. That yeah. may also increase uh, the OCD severity. So yes. stress is never a good thing. Yeah, and I, stress certainly does impact on it. I just would also like uh, to mention the fact that sometimes the content of the OCD also changes. So if, if I washed hands, you know, at this stage, in a month or two's time, it could have shifted to another fear or another anxiety, mm-hmm. and, and it just makes it so much more difficult to treat. I want to come back to the question of are there any other psychiatric disorders related to OCD you've mentioned? Psychosis. You've mentioned mood. Can you speak a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Well, um, what is you would you would probably expect that, given the impairment mm-hmm. and the distress that goes with OCD, you would expect the person to develop depression sometime yes. during their illness. So, yeah. so depression. I would say about seventy to eighty percent of people with OCD will develop. Uh, uh, clinically significant depression Absolutely. at some stage. You know, they, yes. their mood will definitely go down. Yes. Uh, meaning, uh, you know, if you talk about depression, it means their 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 energy, their sleeping patterns, mm-hmm. their eating patterns. Everything about that will will be affected. Mm-hmm. But then, OCD is in a category in our diagnostic manual with conditions such as interesting conditions such as hair pulling disorder yeah uh, trichotillomania where yes. you have those rituals about pulling out hair yeah um which you don't want because it leads to thinner hair or right. bald spots that kind of thing the other condition in that category is skin picking disorder where you would scratch your skin to the point where there are lesions or yes. um, a lot of uh, marks, that kind of thing. And then another condition would be hoarding disorder where you obsessively or, or right. compulsively uh, collect things and you can't throw away to the point where your place is really cluttered. Mm-hmm. And the last one in that category of, of RDSM or the diagnostic manual is 
what we call body dysmorphic disorder, mm-hmm. which used to be, uh, you know, it used to be in a totally different class of our uh, diagnostic yeah. manual. But anyhow, now, uh, nowadays, all of those are clumped together because of overlapping symptoms yes. such as, you know, these obsessions and then little this behavioral rituals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, you have a, a question that, that we wanted to speak about was um, whether there are any telltale signs if someone has OCD. And, and the reason for asking this question is, you know, we you are in a process of, of research. And yeah. so that people can identify, oh, my goodness, you know, am I, do I have OCD mm. or someone that I know? Yeah, yeah. please. Okay. Well, if if you are someone with these intrusive thoughts, and remember that we all have intrusive thoughts, right? Every now and then you see something that you really don't want to, and you wonder what on earth was that? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, that's that's normal. Mm-hmm. But if you uh, see that you, or if you if you realize that you actually spend a lot of time, you know, an hour plus. So take that as a cutoff. If you spend an hour plus on senseless, uh, irrational behaviors, which is not constructive. In other words, it's not aimed at anything except making you feel better. Right. Then you must realize that there may be reason to believe that you've got OCD. But if you you look at your, at, at family members or colleagues around you or even patients you know if you see a washer you mm-hmm. would you would probably notice red or very pink hands mm-hmm. or pulses or even the whole forearm uh, yeah. might be uh, uh, red yeah. and uh, in some cases the the hands can be bleeding um, yes. And it might be because of their uh, excessive washing and yes. washing with harsh uh, soaps or dick right. or handy andy or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, with with the checkers, you, usually they are late for yeah. everything yeah. because they always have to go back to check or they have to, you know, I've, I, the other day I saw a lady who has to get up at four every day yes. in order to be at work at eight o'clock. And I mean, yeah. she doesn't have children, she doesn't have a husband. So yeah. what does she do from four until eight? And yeah. it's all of those rituals yeah. um, around either washing or, or, or checking, going back, that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, um, I think someone with, with OCD may be prone to repeated reassurance seeking you know yeah. am am i clean am i yeah. am i forgiven mm-hmm. uh is it okay am i allowed to do this you know all of those questions if your your child starts asking you all of these questions yeah. um or or your husband or your wife then you have to you know you have to notice these things yes. it's not just innocent innocent reassurance seeking yeah. It's, yeah. it's probably one of those rituals, you know, and, and it's a ritual aimed at feeling better or, yes. or uh, anxiety reduction. Right. And I, I think, you know, on that, really just to tell our listeners, particularly when you're seeing it in children and you mm. said boys often start younger, mm. that that help must be sought for these children sooner rather than later so that it yeah. b- there is the prevention of 
of it becoming severe cases of OCD. I almost would like to jump. I know that we have to take commercial news. Then I'd like to go to your research and what you're looking for and rather come back to OCD after that because I would like that we focus on the research component and the purpose of this um, interview that we're having with you at the moment. So let's just take the commercial news um, and stay with us. Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. 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 I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Professor Christine Lochner, who is the co-director at the MRC Unit on Anxiety and Stress Disorders at the Department of Psychiatry and the University of Stellenbosch. We're talking about OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Perhaps just to go to your research that you're doing and part of the the, uh, purpose of this interview, what your thoughts are behind that, please, Professor. Well, um... OCD remains an uh, incredibly interesting disorder. So, so this research that we're doing, um, we obviously we aim to learn as much as we can about OCD, but also OCD-related conditions such as hair pulling disorder. I just mm-hmm. mentioned that it it falls into the same category, even though there are differences. So, yeah. so what we're doing is we have different groups that we compare with one another. You know, firstly OCD. With, uh, we compare it with healthy controls just to see how we how how it differs yes. how um, these people differ how how they present differently mm-hmm. and then a third group would be the hair pulling disorder yes but we also have two other cohorts we've, uh, that we've recently added one is gambling disorder okay and this is a topic for another day yes and the other group would be tech people who are currently using tech. Mm-hmm. Interesting, it's fascinating. You know, so, so there's nowadays a talk of a, of a spectrum of conditions, from yes. impulsive to compulsive. Mm-hmm. And all of these conditions fall somewhere along that spectrum. Yes. But anyhow, just to, to summarize the research, is firstly, you know, we are, firstly we're collaborating with researchers from other uh, uh, research institute, uh, institutions in, at Cambridge as well and basically we aim to investigate the structure and the functioning of specific brain areas in these patients okay. and then secondly the study also aims to identify the genes that may increase the risk for the development of these conditions okay. so, so uh, it sounds incredibly complex but basically it entails a once-off interview with me or yeah. a colleague mm-hmm. uh, where I would ask you the person uh, 
terrible lot of questions yeah. on on OCD and whether yes. they have comorbid conditions yeah. and how it impacts on their lives. You know, it's a very comprehensive clinical interview yes. and based and we also draw blood at that time for mm-hmm. the DNA extraction. You know, mm-hmm. we look at the genetic uh, genetics. Yes. Uh, and then at the second session, if the person does qualify, we do MRI um, scan, we do neuropsychological testing just to see how their decision-making is, how impulsive they are, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And, um, you know, it it doesn't include a treatment component. So very importantly, you know, we love for people to participate, but it's basically for their love of research or for their... Um, their hope to contribute to what we know Knowledge. about OCD so yeah. that we actually can help future future generations. So yeah. even though the interview might not help the participant at yes. this stage, it yes. might in future help others. Someone else. I just would like to ask whether there's any particular criteria in terms of age or gender. Adults, uh, 18 to whenever. Okay. Um, but for the imaging component, we would obviously like our patients to be a little bit younger, you know, somewhere between 18 and 55, more or less. Okay. All right. Okay. It's very interesting, and I think the genetics uh, play, you know, an interesting part of the research, mm. I would imagine, because I've seen a little boy who presented with OCD, and when I, I did the interview and information, you know, gathering, discovered that the father had OCD as well. Yes. So it's very interesting yeah. to look at it from a genetic um, perspective and and also the yeah the background of mental um mental illness you know yes. in the in the history of the person Absolutely. in terms of family members yeah. so so again who would people contact if they would make themselves available to be a part of the research so, you know, i think you know email is always a good is a good start mm-hmm. and they can email me directly on cl2 at sun.ac.za yes uh, in other words, my initials and the number two at sun.ac.za. Yeah. Or they can call our mental health information center, mm-hmm. which is just in the office right next to mine. They know about our work and they will take yes. these messages. Mm-hmm. And that would be 021-938-9229. Okay, I've got that and I'm going to repeat it. You know, when we conclude this uh, discussion, I will repeat that as well. So perhaps just to come back to what would be the period that would be involved when people make themselves available uh, for the research? You know, it's, it's up to the uh, up to the uh, caller, up to the participant. You mm-hmm. know, I will make, usually I prefer these interviews to be in the morning sometimes. Yes. And the the imaging and the neuropsychological assessment is usually on a second day. Uh, you know, either uh, it's usually a week apart or two weeks apart. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a matter of how it suits the participant. So it's basically two interactions, if yes. one has to put it that way. The one yeah. would be the the um, in depth interview. The next yes. would be the scan, etc. That will be yes. ta- that will yes. be taken. Yeah. Okay. But do you you know do you give feedback to the uh, participant in terms of this is what we found or something like that? I do usually you know, because that's very interesting. Yeah. So per- a person gets to know what's going on a little bit more with themselves. Very important, and I think mm. you know from from what I've 
gathered from, from participants is that they usually enjoy participating. You know, yeah. when you get someone who will listen to you for three hours on end and you don't have to pay a cent, it's actually quite, um, I think most people find it nice yeah. because you will ask them questions that they haven't been asked before. Yeah. And, and very often we have participants who have not been diagnosed. So yeah. that's not, uh, you know... It, prerequisite for, for participation. Okay. You don't have to know that you have OCD. Yeah. No. And I, I would imagine I would imagine part of the, the good feeling moments in this interview would be, oh my word, now I understand this and that better yes. about myself. So yeah. there's almost affirmation of, yeah. you know, this is a part of a disorder and because because of the guilt and the shame that people will, will experience and the feeling of I'm bad, yeah. um, I'm sure your interview would probably have someone leaving from there thinking, oh my goodness, you know, there's credibility almost to what I've been going through and it's not because I'm a bad person but not because it's because I've got a diagnosable condition yeah. that can be treated yeah. and it's okay I'm actually I'm actually okay yeah and I think the hopefulness you know of it can be treated it must be the biggest gift that people can receive and also to give feedback to their family to say do yeah. you know I have this diagnosis and suddenly it makes such a lot of sense but we need to take commercial news when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about the condition called ocd obsessive compulsive disorders stay down this is the voice of the cape the voice of the cape the voice of the cape Welcome back. I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Professor Christine Lochner. I have a question that I think many people might want to ask. Mm. Um, the MRI scan. So often people will say, oh, my word, will it hurt? <laughs> That's my question. <laughs> will it be sore? Am I supposed to be scared? <laughs> uh, only if you are severely overweight. Because the scanner is quite, it's quite narrow. Mm -hmm. So if you have uh, claustrophobia, yeah. it's definitely not a good candidate for yeah. MRI scanning. Mm -hmm. But so other than that, it's, it's really, it's painless. It is actually quite... Um, it's quite calm. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't lie in there. It's quite noisy, though. Yeah. But you're, you, you know, you can request that the light be switched off. Yes. And you've got your little panic button in your hand. So if you do get anxious and you yes. want to get out, you can. Yeah. And do they put headsets on with music that yes, you listen to the music? Yes, on and <laughs> you just lie there for an hour and a bit. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's, it's not sore. They don't inject you with anything. Yeah. It's not damaging. Uh, it's, it's really no, no mess, no fuss. I suppose if one can describe it, you know, to people, it's you're lying there very quietly so that a machine can take photos of your brain. That's, and that's, that's exactly what it is. It's one yeah. giant magnet. Yeah. So take off all, you take off all metals um, as far as possible. Yes. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, the only, the only irritation is the loud banging noises. The noise, but, but that's yeah. It. 
Yeah, but it's still bearable. I think, you know, if, if, if coming from me who has been for an MRI scan so that people can know, it's actually bearable, especially when you prepare yourself. This is going to be a loud noise, but you will have, you know, these um, headsets on your ears and you listen to the to the music and it's okay. It's just an, it's just the noise. It mm. it holds nothing to be scared of or frightened of. Perhaps another question I want to goodness in the in the little time that I have have over you did say that OCD is treatable mm. very briefly how what would that entail well I would say or include short, uh, sorry or include you know firstly you have to say that as you said in the way in the beginning it is a difficult disorder it is a sticky yeah. thing so so treatment it's intensive it's difficult it's often time-consuming it might take you know quite a bit of quite a number of sessions Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of it will it will take a lot of energy will take a lot of commitment from everyone so Mm -hmm. don't go into it half-heartedly yeah Um, Yeah. so and and it's usually a three-way approach firstly the psychoeducation that Mm -hmm. goes with any type of treatment basically it's where the patient gets taught you know you have OCD and they yes. learn about all the symptoms and also the family you know yeah. they get to know what this is about and what to expect and this is not your family member that is uh, you know crazy it's it's a, a treatable condition that so, so that takes sort of the daily as soon as you can can label something you can yes. sort of manage it right. and secondly uh, there is uh, the possibility of a type of ther- uh, a psychotherapy which is called cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific kind yes. of CBT which we call uh, exposure and re- response prevention. Yes. You know, basically the person gets exposed to what they fear, uh-huh. for instance, you know, the yeah. dirt or the germs, that kind yeah. of thing. And then they must refrain from doing their ritual. So, yes. so you can understand how distressing the treatment can be. Yeah. But it's a gradual thing and it's a yes. therapist assisted thing. So it's not yeah. flooding where the person is sort of overwhelmed by mm-hmm. by these stimuli. It's 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 a gradual thing and yes. it gets you and the, and the and the patient is prepared for it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not as if it's it's sprung on them. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's, that's the psychotherapy part, and that's usually, I think, it, it's, it's good for everyone, yeah. um, especially for mild OCD where medication is not indicated yet. And then, so the third leg would be medication, and there we usually, you know, the first line of defense is uh, an SSRI. Usually, an SSRI refers to yeah. a serotonin reuptake inhibitor yes. or or as it is commonly known as an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a higher dose than what yeah. you would find in depression or panic disorder or social anxiety disorder. Yes. So, it's a, so, so there is medication available. Right. However, uh, half of patients would respond to the first trial and half not. So yeah. then, you know, once you don't respond, then there are other options like increasing the dosage or switching to another SSRI or maybe adding uh, a dopaminergic drug. So so there are many, 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 many options. And then you can also, nowadays, you know, there are uh, treatment groups. For instance, I know there's there's an active OCD 
support group mm-hmm. meeting on a monthly basis in yeah. MC Point. Yeah. Uh, and then there is online groups. So it's 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 really it's uh, the world out there is a much better place nowadays than yes. it used to be. Chris, Christine, um, thank you so much. Uh, unfortunately, I have to conclude the uh, program because within a few seconds, we'll have to go into the news at 10. I just would like to say thank you very, very much. Rate the, the contact details of yours after the news at 10. Thank you so much for being a part of the program and good evening. Thank you so much, Shaira, and you're very welcome. Okay, and so now we go to the news at 10. And I will read.